Very pleased to be joined by Sandra Persina, our expert on everything. Uh, but today the focus is on the Women's World Hockey Championship. Uh, Sandra, you can put that on your business card if you want. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you, PK? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, the, the, the purposes of bringing you on here to preview the Women's World Hockey Championship that is happening in our backyard. But I would be remiss if I didn't start with uh, a certain soccer game that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago to, uh, to to chat about. Of course, I'm talking about Arsenal again. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Canada with the win in the gold medal game. This is a, a program that you have followed for a long time in a sport that you are very passionate about. There isn't even a question here. Just gush about the win for a little bit. Uh, it'll be two weeks Friday. So the day that I think this is going to air. But what a just i'm still i still buzz thinking about it knowing that canada is the olympic gold medalist in women's soccer so many years so many years christine sinclair has put into this program heart and soul and for me i just think back to 2011 at the women's world cup when canada finished last mm. and there was this picture of christine sinclair she had broken her nose in that tournament and there was this picture of her after the tournament was done she was sitting on the pitch by herself, took the mask off, and she was just in tears. And that was probably the lowest of the low. And then you almost parallel that with what we saw nearly two years ago, or excuse me, two weeks ago, just utter jubilation in her face. And she has been the face of this program and of soccer in this country for such a long time. And she carried it on her shoulders, single-handedly, I think yeah. it's fair to say. And this time the team carried her to the gold medal almost as a thank you been like we've got this we've got this for you it's funny to think that she wasn't even taking a pk versus sweden mm -hmm. that to me is so bizarre and almost so fitting so poignant and we talked to her maybe about a week ago and of course the question came up what's your future and she says she she wavers on it one minute she's like okay i want to retire at the highest pinnacle but yet she says she still loves the sport so much and playing for Canada so much that she doesn't know what the future will hold so that's a little bit up in the air and and I digress I don't want to take it into that direction but mm, just such, yeah such a special moment for this country and it's it's really neat thinking of how just casual sports fans in Canada have embraced this team all mm -hmm. the way back I think to even 2002 and this group of U19s that played up in Edmonton, Aaron McLeod, Christine Sinclair, and here they are, they're gold medalists in 2021. So just really cool putting a ribbon on that particular group of players. And I guess now we see that the future is pretty bright. There's some really good talent coming through and they made a difference. So cool to see Jesse Fleming stepping up. She had a fantastic tournament. Janine Becky getting the monkey off of her back. And I have to say, I am especially happy for Steph LeBay. Mm. Put a lot of years into this program, a lot of sweat and tears. Uh, really proud of her. And she was so good in those penalties and that smile on her face. Yeah. I, I guess it, uh, and just hearing from her over the last week or so, uh, she was playing in Sweden. So she was playing a lot of her pro teammates and uh, she hasn't heard from them since. <laughs> I, guess it, I guess her smiling during the PKs really, really irked them. Oh, really? So interesting gamesmanship yeah. by her. And I thought that was fascinating. But 
And uh, it actually sounds like she's actually heading to France to play mm. P- PSG. So just wow. Good for Canada. Just yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I was going to say we're going to have to create a, a women's Canadian Premier League just to get her a place to play if she's not welcome back in Sweden. But uh, happy she has other options otherwise. Yeah. Um, it, it did kind of feel like a, a passing of the torch moment when Christine Sinclair get, gets subbed out. I believe it, it was, um, it, it all seems like a blur and I was very tired. Uh, but it was just before like regular time ends and then she gets subbed out. And it was just kind of a like you, you of course want. Uh, the, the the ball on her foot in the final moments and she kicks the game-winning goal to give Canada the gold medal. But um, th- this almost felt a little bit more fitting that like this, this program that she, not to discredit anyone else, but as, for a large part of it, basically single-handedly got it to where it is to the, the fact that everyone else could be like, no, 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 we, we have this now. Uh, yeah. I thought what was really fitting and a, a really cool way of going about things. Yeah, it seems like the motto was we've got you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, so you think back, I was reading a story about Julia Grosso, who was watching the 2012 Olympics when all that hoo-ha happened with the Americans in the semifinal, Christine Sinclair scores a hat trick, Canada gets bronze. So Julia Grosso was at home watching that. And here we are in 2021 and she scores the PK to win Canada gold. I mean, What? Yeah, it's it's like a storybook, but it's real, and and that to me is is just the personification of what this team has done and how it's connected people from coast to coast. And you don't know who was watching now in 2021. And I keep seeing that commercial on TV. It was actually during the tennis tournament, and a little girl turns around and says, "I want to do that." Mm. How many people were saying, boys and girls were saying, "I want to do that." So, yeah. Yeah, no, and that's that. That's the big thing, and it's something we talk about in every other sport. Um, like we talk about with the the basketball program right now. We we don't have to talk about it with the hockey. We we kind of have an understanding. We're pretty good at this thing, but everything else is just like that. The the uh, it, and it's been one of the the main things um, been talked about over the last like eighteen months is that representation matters, and, and you you need to see people who look like you doing things that you would love to do. And um, just, yeah, to, to have that moment and to, to have someone who, like you said, watch those Olympics and I was like, Oh, well, this is something I could do and do it at a high level. Um, it, it's really cool to see. And that, that is like how to build a program one oh one. It's, it's huge. And I even think it's not even for the players. We have a 35 year old head coach. 35. Mm, yeah. She's won a gold medal. She led a team to a gold medal. So if if you're not looking to be a player, look at what you can do as a coach. Look at what you can do as a member of the training staff. There are just so many good things to come for Canada from this particular tournament. The sky is the limit. Head coach Brett Priestman saying, okay, next the World Cup, because Canada has notoriously underachieved at World Cups, especially the one that we hosted here in 2015, which was uh, probably Canada's best opportunity to maybe get into a top three. So now it's about taking what's happened into uh, which uh, the Olympics are a smaller tournament. Fewer nations are taking part. Mm -hmm. Take it into a larger tournament and see what you can do. Uh, transitioning now to the, uh, the the hockey tournament that is happening here in Calgary, going to be getting uh, going by the time people are hearing this uh, later today. Um, we are taping this after the pre-tournament game between Canada and Finland. Uh, I guess just first of all, 
It's been a minute since we've been able to do something like this in in women's hockey. Your excitement level going into the first uh, best-on-best competition like this uh, officially in a while. It's actually almost not even excitement. It's relief, I would Mm. say, because you're always waiting for a shoe to drop, whether especially during a pandemic. Okay, tournament gets canceled once in 2020 what didn't get canceled in 2020 essentially right yeah so 2021 rolls around it seems like everything is going well nova scotia is doing okay and then 24 hours before things are supposed to happen and players from around the world are supposed to arrive in halifax that rug gets pulled out from everybody Mm -hmm. so kudos to calgary honestly i'm so proud of this city for just picking up the slack when it comes to women's hockey, first starting with the PWHPA earlier this year with a Mm -hmm. gap tour, a lot of these players who we will see at this tournament here at the Worlds were playing here in the Dream Gap Tour over in Sutina and at the Saddle Dome. And just finally, and you can see, just heard from some of the players after today's pre-tournament game, and it's just relief. They're like, okay, finally, we're together as a team two years it's been tumultuous but we can we can do this thing and just move this sport forward because it had already started to stagnate a little bit just given what was happening with the professional realm and the folding of the cwha or canadian women's hockey league excuse me so finally i think that is the key word right now well and and it's something you and i have talked about before that there was so much momentum for women's sports just in general right like um the the wmba that that orange hoodie became a fashion statement um and their ratings are up and we we know about the success that women had at the the olympics for canada and there are now just like websites and newsletters and stuff dedicated to just women's sports and they're doing very well your segment on uh 660 news has been kind of a staple there for a while like it feels like there's been all of this momentum for women's sports and women's hockey with the exception of the, the dream gap tour, which was, it was great to have it, but it was, it's still not the same. Like, huh? Like it just, it felt like everything else was moving and hockey was just like, Oh yeah, no, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. And that, that was frustrating for me. I can't imagine for, for someone as close to it as you, how frustrating that must've been. Yeah, particularly in 2019 when the CWHL seemingly folded, especially Mm -hmm. here in Calgary, you have a team that just won the Clarkson Cup and literally a week later, oh, it's over. Yeah. And then there was this momentum and I was reading an article today and a lot of these players felt that once the BWHPA started, the NHL was starting to back it a little bit. We did see the women attend two all-star games and they had the three-on-three tournament but unfortunately the pandemic happened and listen what are you gonna do right that that's just a reality of the world that we're living in but it seems like that momentum unfortunately like you said the momentum stopped and then you've got dueling situations with the national women's hockey league in one section you've got the pwhpa which has the world's best players but they're just hubs. They're not an official league. They're not right. They're not what the NWHL is trying to do. So there's just so many balls up in the air. So I think that really underscores the importance of this particular tournament because mm-hmm. the world's best, like you said, best on best, finally 250 players, 10 countries taking place. And then we've got the Olympics right around the corner. These two tournaments have never been so close together. We rarely ever have women's hockey in summer 
obviously we've seen that with the NHL as well. It's just an anomaly. Yeah. And then we've got Beijing coming around the corner in February. So my hope is this is the perfect runway to what the Olympics will bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that would be great. And yeah, like I, I'm, I don't mean to, to sound like I'm like dumping on anyone from either the, the, the NWHL or from the, 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 um, the, the dream gap tour, but it was just, it, it was all these other things are building momentum and it was just like a shot here and a shot here. And it just, it, it needed to be kind of that wave. Like the, the NWHL, like the, their streams got so much buzz. Like the Zamboni was trending for a little bit. Like yeah. people were ready and watching it. They're, they're just, there wasn't enough of it. There wasn't enough of it, Peter. And listen, I mean no disrespect to the players and the ownership and everybody that's involved in the NWHL, but those aren't the best players. The best, the 125 best players are in the PWHPA. So it's just such a double-edged sword. And I always, I hate to say the the term figure it out, but figure it out. Yeah, exactly. We're wasting the prime years of a lot of these players it so sucks and i hate to use the term sucks but it, we haven't seen hillary knight for two years we haven't seen brianna decker we haven't seen rebecca johnston marie philippe Poulain. that is such a shame we talked yeah. about the olympics before look at how they've inspired who's going to be the next christine sinclair guy or girl who's going to be the next julia grosso well we're trying to find out who's going to be the next marie philippe Poulain. Mm-hmm. We, we we haven't seen her so we don't know right yeah we're, we're trying to figure out the current one let alone the yeah. the, the next one yeah. um and that I, I think also makes this tournament so difficult to, to kind of handicap because who knows right like some of these players we haven't seen for a while um aside from little spurts here and there like someone could have just turned into an absolute beast over the last 18 months and they're going to dominate this tournament and we just have no inkling because you're left to your own devices for the most part for uh, a lot of this time so I'll, I'll be fascinated to see what levels players come at when they come into this but you 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 saw most of those players with the the dream gap tour when it came through here in calgary when you got to to call those um so you you have much more firsthand knowledge than, than a lot of us um so so coming into this who who are some of the players that you are looking for to to build off of what you saw with the, the dream gap tour for the Canadian team, listen, in 2019, Marie-Philippe Poulain was injured. Mm. And when Montreal played Calgary in the Clarkson Cup, Marie-Philippe Poulain was on the bench, but she didn't see a shift. She was there more for moral support. So first game of the Dream Gap Tour, we're in Sutina Nation. It's Team Bauer on the ice. That was the Montreal hub. Marie-Philippe Poulain scores shorthanded on a breakaway. We're like, okay, yeah, yeah. injury. She's good. She's 100%. <laughs> Oh my God, she's the best 200-foot player I've ever seen. Hmm. She is so incredible. PK, PP, she's taking face off. She's blocking shots. I, I am in awe every single time I watch this woman. She is the captain of Team Canada. So obviously, she is one to watch. Also, uh, I, will, I will not apologize. I am a complete fangirl for... Brianne Jenner, I mm. think if somebody is looking to emulate a player, that is the player to emulate. She wow. plays at 100%. It doesn't matter the situation, doesn't matter the scenario. She will do whatever it takes to win, never takes a shift off. If you act or ask her to play fourth line minutes, she does that. She's on the first line right now with Marie Philippe Land, rarely ever loses a face off. Just such a good player. So, 
Uh, I have so much respect for her. Uh, for the Americans, it, it's interesting. With the Americans right now, they're seeing a bit of turnover. The Lamaroos are gone. Casey Bellamy has retired. So there's a bit of turnover on that team. I think that is now Brianna Decker's team. I, okay. I have no doubt. Obviously, Hillary Knight is going to be fantastic, but Brianna Decker to me is the spitfire that um, is just so much fun to watch, and she just scores these highlight reel goals. We were so lucky here in Calgary when she was with the Inferno and just the things she was doing and um, just to be able to call some of her games and these ridiculous goals that she was scoring. So I would probably say those are the three players that I'm looking forward to the most to watch. Uh, I'm also curious what happens in goal for Canada. Uh, mm. We've got three really capable goalies today, Emirates Mashmeyer and on Rene Debien. They split the duties today. Kristen Campbell is the third goalie. So curious uh, what's going to happen there. Who's going to really take the reins of the, of goaltending just because for so many years, you know, it was, you knew it was going to be uh, Shannon Sabados or you knew it was going to be Jean-Vierre Blacasse. So we're seeing a little bit of a passing of the torch in the blue paint. So I'm kind of curious about what happens there. Such an important position too. So that, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, going back um, and just kind of refreshing on everything for this tournament, we all have a general understanding that this is usually a tournament of two uh, with the, the Americans in Canada. Um, putting all objectivity aside, um, or, or I, I guess trying to use some, um, it's kind of been a tournament of one over the last little bit. Like it's, it's a lot of American flags on that gold medal side. Um, it, it kind of feels like the, the States is this era anyway, have pulled ahead a little bit. Um, but th this is much more your world than mine. I, I'm looking at Wikipedia and that's about it. Um, am I off on that or ha does it kind of feel like this era of hockey for the States that they've kind of pulled ahead a little bit? Yeah, I would compare this to Canada's dominance in the okay kind of late 2000s to 2010s there where it was Canada for the longest period of time. To me, those two eras are neck and neck. USA right now, Canada from that era. So yeah, USA to me just has an edge up in terms, I just think of skill set and, the, and their creativity. Mm -hmm. But again, they've seen that turnover. So I'm curious how how that'll be because in 2019 actually Canada finished third at this tournament for the first time right. ever it was Finland that played the role of spoiler I don't think I mean listen anything is possible I think it'll be a one-two finish for for Canada USA Canada whichever way it it works itself out I'm more curious I think of that third place spot mm -hmm. because you've got Finland and I think Russia has made some significant strides over the past couple years in Switzerland. Okay. So you've got three teams there that could essentially all shuffle in to that third place spot. But uh, one, two, I mean, if I take off my Canada cap, I think <laughs> the, the U.S. does have the edge right now. But when you're in a tournament like this, I mean, I think that back to 2012, that was actually the last time Canada won. And it could have gone to the Americans. That game right. went to overtime, right? Uh, I believe it was Carolina Ouellette who scored the overtime winner. So it's a game of inches. I don't want to use all these <laughs> cliches, but we'll see what happens. I do think the Americans, though, they do have a, a, a leg up right now. That, that, that was going to be my next point was that even at the end of that Canadian domination, it kind of felt like we were just hanging on. 
Um, and now the, the Americans have had that breakthrough and they, they, to their credit, they, they have taken that ball and, and they have ran with it. Um, when we talked about trying to find the, the next one here in Canada, who are some of maybe the, the younger players on this roster to, to kind of look at, or are there any younger, like the, the answer could be none. Um, are there younger players on this squad or in the program, I guess, that, that could kind of help boost Canada to that next level? Yes, but I think at this particular tournament, I think the veterans will be relied upon. Okay. I mean, there, there are about eight new faces on the Canadian team right now. And I just think this tournament is still going to be in the hands of the players who have experienced it before. And just hearing from head coach Troy Ryan a little bit earlier today, and he said basically that, yes, the young players are going to get that experience, but today he said versus Finland he noticed that they they were nervous they were making their debuts and they were a little bit nervous so I think the success is going to rely in the hands of the leadership on the Canadian team those veteran players I, I think somebody it, it's really hard for me to peg who's going to be a difference maker right now because we just haven't seen these players right. for the last two years. Yeah, we've seen them in the PWHPA, but it was only Canadian players versus Canadian players. So uh, Ella Shelton is probably a player, Claire Thompson, a couple of the blue liners I would look out for. Like today, Jocelyn LaRock actually didn't play today. She's one of the most experienced blue liners, and she sat mm. today. So I'm curious at how the blue line is going to play out. I think they'll be a little bit more difference makers, and we'll see in terms of the forwards and those top lines. They'll be pulling the veteran. The veterans will be pulling the weight of those minutes. That's okay. My thought. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, we, I'm bouncing around here a little bit, so I apologize. But in terms of those teams that you you talked about battling for third, the the Switzerland's, the Finlands, the Russias, um, we know that there is a gap like that. That that has always been how it's been in, in this sport. Are they closing that gap? Like, are, are we getting a little bit closer to this being a little bit more competitive where it's not just like, I understand Canada didn't finish in second the last time, but come on. Um, uh, how, how close are the other nations coming to catching North America here? Listen, they're getting there, Peter. But again, the issue is about professional leagues. Right. And there, there are professional leagues in the world. There's a professional league in Russia. There's a professional league in Scandinavia, but they're only playing each other. So until all of these countries have one league that they can play under, I just think the Canada-U.S. dominance is going to continue. The parity is catching up, no question. Yeah. But I look at the statistics from today, and uh, I, I'm just going to – let me just give you the shot total from today. Canada 34, Finland 8. Oh, so a bit to go then. <laughs> and, and it was 1-1 after 40 minutes, but that 1-1 score was not indicative of what we were seeing on the ice. Right. So until these others, other countries can catch up in terms of being able to take players across the pond here to Canada and play in uh, potential professional leagues, there's not going to be a catch-up. This isn't like women's soccer, unfortunately. Because we, or, or even basketball, where you see in the WNBA, you see players from all around the world converging in the U.S. to play. We're just not seeing that with women's hockey right now. And right. until we take that next step, it's, it's not going to be at that level yet. 
Uh, as we wind down here, official prediction, uh, I'm assuming with the Canada thing, I see there, there, and there. Um, I, I think I know where, where you're going to go with this one. Uh, but uh, how, how do you think this is going to go? Do, do you think Canada finally gets over the hump as this tournament is played on our home and native land? It's interesting. Troy Ryan is talking about speed with Canada. And if you flash back to Pyeongchang, speed was what did Canada in speed and the lack of depth versus the Americans in the gold medal Olympic game. Just, just take the shootout aside because I don't think any medal in hockey should be decided on the shootout, but that's a moot point. It is what it is, but Canada couldn't roll four lines. The Americans could. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking with the infusion of some of these younger legs, it's a possibility if Canada starts to shorten its bench, though, versus the Americans in a potential gold medal game, I think the Americans come out on top just because they have that that little bit extra depth right now. Right. However, if these young players are able to integrate themselves, I think Canada will give the U.S. a run for its money. And we'll see a preview of that because, listen, they are playing each other in the round robin. So that'll give us a good preview of any potential knockout stage and what happens then. My prediction, USA does get the gold medal. Canada finishes second. And I actually think Switzerland is going to finish third. Okay. I will absolutely hold you to that. Uh, Sandra, always uh, enjoy chatting with you. Thank you very much for doing this. And um, I know I'll be bothering you again soon. My pleasure. And you are never a <laughs>It is a big weekend wrestling-wise, so I had to get the band back together. G. Rana is back on the show. Mr. G, Huracan Rana, sir, how are you today? Ho, 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 ho. I've not heard that in a while. <laughs> oh, just an unbelievable nickname, hey? Dude, so I'm pretty sure I told you this. So after I was done uh, my MMA career, I was legitimately thinking about doing pro wrestling because I was still in awesome shape. Right. about 200 pounds of just pure muscle i've always loved pro wrestling you know this and yeah. so like yeah I, I legitimately thought of maybe signing up for lance storm school oh and, wow and and doing the whole thing and yeah well, one of my things would be the hurricane rana because it just makes sense yeah and then in my head like i mean hurricane rana that's not a finisher right but like i can do everything with a hurricane rana lock up hurricane rana tope hurricane rana Drop toe hold, Hurricane Rana. You name it, Hurricane Rana, man. Yeah. No, that I, would just be the patch right there. The big hope spot. Yeah, it's a Hurricane Rana. <laughs> it's like playing a, a video game where you've only figured out one of the moves and you just yeah. keep spanning that one over and over and yeah, over exactly. again. It, it's my three-point shot all, all day. <laughs> um, I never seriously considered doing the wrestling thing. Um, I, I've kind of stayed on the the kind of exterior of the, the pro wrestling world. Um, but yeah. when I did ring announcing for a little bit, they were like, man, you should like, you, you have like a, a personality, like you should, you should be a wrestler. I was like, there is not a fucking chance. I'm, I'm going to be um, disrespecting the business by going in there and like, you don't even have to do anything. Like what are you, you're like six, four. So in wrestling terms, that's six, seven. Um, yeah, yeah. We can, we can put some lifts uh, in your stuff. We'll put you in there against some smaller dudes. We'll say you're six ten, and you don't even yeah. have to do anything. I was like, <laughs> you know, it, it's depressing how on point that would actually be. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> It, it, it would be a throwback to like big 90s dudes 
Right, exactly. Or to uh, the first one who we're going to talk about today, um, as SummerSlam gets going, uh, Omos and AJ Styles <laughs> yes, going up yeah. against RK Bro. Um, yeah. Holy crap. The, the, this Omos thing, man, it, it is not clicking for me. And there's a couple of times where I'll be watching and it's like, you know, AJ Styles is still one of the best wrestlers in the world. And he's yeah, just yeah. in there having to do all of this. And now he's in there with two of the other best wrestlers in the world in Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. And one of these things is not like the other. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is Do you, um, A, where are you at with the, this group? And do you envision a title change happening at SummerSlam? Uh, I was never sold on AJ Styles and Omos. Like, I understand why they needed to do it because Omos is green, he's big, and they see something in him. And yeah, why not pair him with one of the best wrestlers in the world? Like, I mean, it makes sense that way, but like, yeah, just like from a visual standpoint, team doesn't really make sense. And when they put them together, I was just like, what are they doing here? What are they doing with AJ Styles? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of are they gonna win or are they gonna retain? Uh, I would think so but uh rk bro just became like officially officially a thing so they might want to capitalize on that so i could see it kind of swing both ways um it would be nice to see the uh the titles go to rk bro just because like i i'm kind of i i i don't know where else to go with aj styles and omas unless they turn on each other and then it's just like well who would have thought this would happen yeah yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you kind of have to keep the titles on them because otherwise, like, what's the point of having them as a team almost? Um, and I, I kind of see RK Bro going the way of Y2AJ, where like the second they came out with merch, they broke them up. Um, okay, yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like that's kind of that that is going to be where this spins off. But yeah, like I just I don't know I don't know why AJ and Omos are together. They have been together for a while and we haven't really got the why did AJ decide to team with this giant monster. And also this whole he's super green, so let's work him in. They have a developmental system. Yeah, it's exactly. on TV. Every yeah. this is the exact thing NXT is for. I, I don't understand this at all. Um, yeah. and, and uh, you, you look at the raw side right now, you have Bobby Lashley on top. A couple of guys who you can throw in on title matches like they, they did that with Kofi they, they've done that with sure. McIntyre and then after that there, there's a whole lot of just middle guys there and it, it feels like AJ would be better served being actually in the the title picture right now so I don't like it and because of that they're probably going to keep the titles on them yeah and I mean <clears throat> you mentioned NXT right there like this screams of Vince McMahon move like oh he's big put him on a <laughs> monster damn it <laughs> Um, so just keep rolling with the um, with the transitions. Uh, speaking of things that scream Vince McMahon, Eva Marie going up against uh, Alexa Bliss. I'm uh, full disclosure. I am not going to be watching this show live. Uh, it is happening on the Saturday that my yeah, sister yeah. is getting married. Um, my parents have the WWE network because we are cable cutters, but I, I still needed access to the website. So um, I am 1000% PVRing this and I'm not going to watch a fucking second of this match. Um, no. But for those of you who have to sit through it live, do, do you have any prediction or do you just want to rant about how dumb this is? No, this is dumb. Yeah. Uh, anytime that's, and I mean, they did it it did it so much like yes the alexa bliss character is great but it's it's hard to i i understand that the realm that we're in hard to take pro wrestling seriously but it's hard to take 
a character serious when they're afraid of a fucking doll, you mm-hmm. know? And and we have the same thing with Dewdrop. By the way, I hate that name. Like oh. Piper Nevins, well, like Piper Nevins is one of, one of, or still is one of the best wrestlers coming out of Europe, right? Yep. Comes to WWE and then Dewdrop. What the <laughs> fuck is that? Yeah. What? Like, Awful is what it is. Yeah. And and yeah, let's pair her up with Eva Marie, world renowned wrestler, by the way. Right. Uh, I dude, this view just it Raw's women's side is so convoluted right now, and and they clearly have no idea what the fuck they're doing with mm-hmm. anybody, really. And this this pairing between Eva Marie and Dewdrop is one of the re- is yeah, evident by that, and also like the match itself, like. I don't know. Some spooky shit is going to happen. Alexa Bliss wins. Yeah, yeah. That's that's probably you know? how this is going to go. It is. It's become a crutch for WWE now. You look at it. Uh, Eva Marie and Dewdrop are a team that don't necessarily get along, but kind of team together. RK Bro, team that doesn't necessarily get along, but kind of team together. Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, team yeah. that doesn't necessarily get along, but kind of team together. Like it's just it's it's nonstop over and over and over again. And I. Um, I, I need to correct you on something because you said it's it's sometimes tough to take wrestling seriously. I watch AEW for now three hours a week and I have <laughs> yeah, yeah. no problem taking sure. that seriously. Yeah, um, no. oh, I, yeah. I, I have a tough time taking WWE seriously yeah. and that's the, good, the main difference. Yeah, yeah, you got me good, fucker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's it's true. I mean, th- there is there's a clear there's a clear discernible difference with the product between between <laughs> yeah. AEW and WWE, let's be honest, right? Yeah. I uh, and and yeah, this match, uh, dude. Again, spooky shit is gonna happen. Alexa Bliss wins, and then after that, Alexa Bliss is gonna continuously do do spooky shit to the point where fans are just gonna be like, "I'm tired of this. Yeah. Why are we doing this?" You know, and and. Y- y- not that I have to watch Raw, but like every time that I, wa- I, I watch a replay of it, I, I almost feel bad for Alexa Bliss just because, you know, the crowd is chanting Bray Wyatt or bring back Bray Wyatt or mm-hmm. you know, shit like that. And I mean, kind of sort of rightfully so. But at the same time, it's just like, what is she supposed to do right now? You know, right. like she's she's put in a, a pretty tough p- position. And what, what are you going to do? Just take her off and let her put her on the sidelines for a few months while she comes up with a new gimmick, you know? So it's, it's, it's a weird, weird and tough place to be for her. Yeah, no, it's, it's not doing it for me. And it's too bad. Cause I thought she put in a lot of work to turn herself, oh, yeah. into, to turn herself into one of the better wrestlers. And now, nah. yeah. Uh, Drew McIntyre against Jinder Mahal. Um, I guess a, a little, huge we all wanted, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, Hey, a matchup of two former world champions going head to head here. Um, sure. As we, we all remember that title run from gender, but yeah. like th- there's a storyline that was built into this because of the three MB thing. And then they yeah. just went an opposite way. Cause gender didn't get the text back that he wanted from drew McIntyre. And then there was fake swords and all of this motorcycles. And, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, th- this is going to end with drew just violently assaulting gender Mahal for a few minutes, right? Like there's no way it, it goes to. any other way. No, it has to, but I mean, it's WWE and <laughs> they, they love to draw out these matchups and, and do rematch. Like I, I caught a, uh, 
a replay of Raw just because it was the go home show, dude. It was rematch after rematch after rematch, and mm-hmm. and it did not shock me whatsoever if, yeah, uh, McIntyre wins, but they fucking come back to this next week and then the following week and then maybe even the next pay per view. Like you know, they're gonna draw this out for some reason. I don't know why, but just like if if I'm doing it, end it right now because I mean, there's really no point. Like nobody, I'm not vested into this. I don't no. think anybody else is. I mean, as you mentioned, like it, it, it's it's based on fake swords and motorcycles and and weird backstories. Like, man, what are they? What have they done with Drew McIntyre now? Like, oh. why? He's like, just come on. You mentioned who's at the top tier of the food chain over on Raw. Like McIntyre, you should be riding McIntyre's coattails from now on. Like you yeah. should. But but all of a sudden, no, he has this weird storyline and and he's talking about how the sword is part of the family and how his family destroyed the Loch Ness monster and all this BS. And it's just like, what is going on? What what did you do to this character? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he should be one of the like he and Bobby Lashley on the raw side yeah. should be their John Cena, Randy Orton. And they're sure. they are top tier feuds the whole time. Instead, it's like that. this feels very mid card to me. And I mean, that's that's where it's probably going to be on the show. Hopefully like this. I'm with you. This needs to be just kind of a Drew McIntyre squash. And then we just kind of move on with things. Yeah. But again, it wouldn't be shocking if they keep riding this for a right. while because that's what they like to do. <laughs> uh, Sheamus defends the United States Championship against Damian Priest. Speaking of guys who cooled off, Damian Priest Boy, had yeah. a ton of momentum out of WrestleMania. Yeah. And now, like, it's it's kind of getting back there. But I, I, I haven't loved anything. Like, Damian Priest around WrestleMania season felt like a star. And he hasn't got that back yet. I, no. I imagine we get a championship win here for Damian Priest. I, I think we get a title change. That's what I would do. Uh, but do, do you see Sheamus retaining here? Um, a, a small part of me can just because if Karrion Cross is any indicator, they hate NXT. <laughs> you know, they hate NXT call-ups. Yeah. And Priest is, he's not a recent call-up, but I mean, he's still somewhat sort of fresh in mind when it comes to NXT. You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yep. And yeah, like a small part of me could see Seamus retaining, but no, I'm with you. Like it, it would be nice to see Damian Priest win just because, yeah, he is cooled off dramatically. Yeah. I mean, he, he was supposed to be this next, not main event, but like upper tier mid card essentially coming out of NXT. And yeah, I mean, this is great. He's in a championship feud, but like, what have they done with him aside from this? And, yep. and I think this breathes new life into him. So yeah, it, uh, it, it would be nice to see him win the uh, U.S. title. Uh, can I see it happen? Yeah, but also a little part of me can see Seamus retaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, just because it's stupid and that's what they would do. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to keep making these comparisons, the, the whole show, but you look at Karrion Cross and now the, the Keith Lee situation a little bit yeah, different yeah, after everything he came yeah. out and, and talked about, but even still when, when he was on the show and not maybe dying, um, mm-hmm. they, they weren't necessarily using him properly. You look at him, you look at Karrion Cross, you look at Damian Priest and how they have introduced them to the mainstream world. And then you look on the other channel and you look at Malachi Black and you look oh my at God. Miro um, yeah. and you just see like, one of these organizations has a much better grasp on how to build stars right now than the other one does. And I get the other one has much more mainstream 
um, I, I guess, I don't even want to say appeal, but just more of a mainstream following right now. So maybe their view of building a star is a little bit different, but from a getting reactions from wrestling crowds type of a, an experience, I guess, it's not close right now. Well, not just getting a reaction, but just like from fans, from, from us yeah. fans. Like, I mean, you hear interviews all the time where, uh, a wrestler is released from WWE and they talk to, you know, whomever they do a shoot interview, whatever it is. And usually and Chris Jericho, usually Chris Jericho <laughs> or, or Chris Van Vliet or, or whomever, you know, right. and, and they don't outright, unless you're John Moxley, they don't outright say, yeah, creative was shit. Like, I mean, they bypass the, the red tape essentially. And, but at the end of the interview, they're just like, yeah, when I came to AEW, I have creative freedom. Like I can do essentially what I want and it's great. I can actually build a character and not get it shot down by like a hundred thousand writers right. and some 70 plus year old man. And, and it's great. It's, it's almost a, a breath of fresh air. And yeah, there, there is a legit difference when, when you see um, Alistar Black cutting weird promos in a washroom in WWE and then all of a sudden come to AEW and he legit looks like a badass you know yeah. or Miro right now like I know we're getting off talk topic but like Miro should not be dropping that TNT title anytime soon because he no. looks like a monster right now and that's what he should have been should have been in WWE Yes. No, I, I completely agree. None of this like, oh, he's lost three times. Now he's on the come up. Like that's yeah. not, that's no, th they've tried that a thousand times. It's never how it actually works. And what about Karrion Cross screams underdog coming up from uh, a losing streak? Like just so dumb. And I hate it. Um, yeah. Next matchup edge against Seth Rollins. This has been, I, I shit on raw a lot. I think SmackDown has been quite good for a while now. Um, sure. And I, I think part of that has been edge and the, the Seth Rollins character. I'm not, there's just something that I'm not all the way there with. I, I like the idea of the character dude in a creepy suit, but th there's just something about him that I've never fully got behind in terms of um, some of the characters that he plays, but th this match is probably going to be fantastic. I think this build has been very, very good as well. Um, well what have you made of the, the build up to edge versus Seth Rollins here? WWE does not do well when it comes to long-term storylines. This is kind of built right into, like, this was, it was put right into their lap. Like, as soon as Edge came back, in my mind, uh, when he came back in, what, the Royal Rumble, mm -hmm. uh, I was just like, they're going to revisit this Rollins thing because they have to. They set it up, not knowingly, but, I mean, okay. it was set up for them years ago. Yeah. And yeah, like it, it works so well. I mean, th there is a history there. And in terms of the Seth Rollins character, when s s we can both agree that Seth as a heel, way better than Seth as a face. Yeah. Um, Seth as a heel, when he is just a pure wrestler, not with this weird cult, not cult, but like this godlike complex. That's, that's a little strange. But like Seth, when he was in the authority, just a pure wrestler as a heel. That was fantastic. Mm -hmm. This, when he has a, a bit of a God complex, it's, it's strange. And I think that's where the disconnect is happening. Yeah. Um, he is still one of the best, best wrestlers on the face of the planet. And I think he kind of needs to uh, get away from that God complex and move back to almost that authority 
uh, heel figure, essentially, mm-hmm. which is hard because there is really no authority right now. But like <laughs> right. when he's when he's just a, a heel wrestler, just a pure wrestler, he's the best. Yeah, I think he gets the win here. Probably that that seems to make the most sense. Uh, yeah, to get have him get a win. It feels like he's going to be one of the the next challengers for Roman Reigns, um, which seems a little weird the the heel versus heel dynamic. But um, it, it does seem like they're getting him ready for for bigger things. So I I would anticipate a Seth Rollins win here because uh, I don't think a loss hurts Edge all that much. I could, but also uh, going back to uh, Drew McIntyre versus Vander, I could see Edge winning and then them being WWE drawing this out for the next little bit. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and like Edge, Edge has done a lot of losing lately. So maybe they yeah. want to, to kind of course correct with that. Um, the SmackDown women's title on the line, Bianca Belair against Sasha Banks, one of the highlights from WrestleMania weekend. Um, I, I don't know, like, the, the Bianca character is very much cooled off for me. It, it feels like, I don't know, she, she doesn't have that same kind of energy that she had before. Like that there isn't that level of cockiness that I think was a, a very big part of her character before. I, I think Sasha can help bring that out. I imagine this match is going to be fantastic, but I, I think Bianca needs to retain in this one. What, what, me too. What's you? Yeah. 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 Same here. Um, if there's anybody who can kind of bring out that, that cockiness and that, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. It's, it's Sasha Banks. And and I think this, this might just be the best match on the card. Yeah, it very well could be. Um, yeah. What have you thought of how they've handled Bianca since that WrestleMania win? Like going with the, I, I've stood up to bullies my whole life route. Like it, yeah. just, it, it seemed like they were trying to humanize her and like, she's, incredibly athletic you? super jacked yeah. up like I, I i don't want to think like she's the rest of us i i want her to be kind of a superhero yeah and i mean like she had that weird feud with bailey in, in terms of who can laugh the most right. okay so this is what we're, this is what we're going with awesome sweet yeah and, and i mean like her and then obviously rhea ripley like the two two big names coming out of wrestlemania they're just like all right okay I, I'm, I'm i'm ready for this and then it, it cooled off Rhea, obviously more so, but yeah, like it, it has definitely cooled off. And I, but I think if there, if you're going to put some type of life back into Bianca's character, like this is, this is the perfect feud right now because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Bailey's obviously injured. And so, yeah, it, it, it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me why Bianca would retain. And also uh, I would not, this would be one of the few th- few times where I would not be opposed if they revisit this or they run with it for the next little while. Yeah. If you're able to extend this for a little bit, I think that would be good and kind of turn this into like a, an all timer, like kind of handle it a bit better, uh, which is asking them a lot, but yeah. handle it a bit better, but have it kind of be like the, the Charlotte Sasha Banks feud where sure. they're just like every kind of match imaginable. And it turns into this kind of blood feud. I think that would be great. Yeah. Um, speaking of Charlotte and Rhea Ripley, uh, they are both challengers to Nikki Ash for the Raw Women's Championship. I I hated the Charlotte Rhea feud the entire time. The match um, at the last pay per view was great, like money really, in the really bank. good. Yes, yeah. yeah, money in the bank. Yeah, um, I, really, really good match. But the, yeah. the entire feud has made no sense, and I've hated it. And then Nikki Ash, you get the bit of a boost, like oh, that was really neat and a real fun story. And since then. 
I think she has to retain. I think if she loses here, you entirely kill that character right away. But see, see, and this is what I was talking about with the whole Eva Marie and Dewdrop thing. WWE with their raw women's division, anyways, has clearly no idea what the fuck they're doing at all. Yeah. Like that, that is safe to not only assume that's, that's just, it's, you can see it. And with Nikki Ash, like, as you mentioned, that was an awesome moment, her winning money in the bank. But since then, what is, what are they doing with this? Where are they going with, is there an end date? Like, what is is that? Was that just a one-off or or do they want to keep doing this three-way thing for the next little bit? Like they, they clearly have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And that's scary because this is supposed to be the face of your women's division over on raw. And yeah, like you bring Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley in there again. And, you know, as we mentioned with Bianca Belair and um, Bailey, like after their massive WrestleMania wins, like they cooled off. And a lot of that was just putting them in feuds that, you know, would start off hot, but then clearly just went cold very yeah. fast. And yeah, like I, I don't know what they're doing with this. Uh, I would hope that Nikki retains. Um, but a part of me is just like, Hey, it's WWE. Charlotte's probably going to win. Yeah. Yeah. You know? it, does, it does kind of feel like that. Hey. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so bad. That would be so, yeah. so, 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 so bad. Yeah. Um, and it would, I, I would imagine if Charlotte wins, I imagine we get Becky Lynch on Monday. I, I think we probably do. Sure. Anyway. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I do not like that. Uh, I, and I would not like that even a little bit. Um, no. The SmackDown tag team titles on the line. The Usos against the Mysterios. I, I don't really have a feel either way on this one. I feel like it would be too quick after the Usos winning the tag team titles to then lose them. But we've seen WWE do that a whole lot. I feel like we almost need, we, we kind of did this on the show back in the day. We almost need to do a, what would we do? And what are they going to do? Because mm. um, like logic would suggest that the Usos need to retain here, which probably means like, the road warriors are going to come in and win. Like there's just, you, you can't, you can't apply uh, rest in peace. Uh, you can't apply logic to anything that the, the WWE does um, these days, but logic would suggest oh. the Usos win this. I don't know what you do with the Mysterios after, but I, I think keeping the, keeping the, the title with the Usos and with, with Roman Reigns is probably the way to go. Yeah. And I mean, I was admittedly a bit surprised in money in the bank when the Usos won, just because Everything that's happening with, um, is it Jey Uso? I think so. We yeah, did this right. last time, too. <laughs> did this. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't remember, man. But you know like, what's crazy? Every- I, sorry to, to interrupt. Um, yeah. Like, I, I'm going off of the, the Wikipedia page on this, and I was like, okay, which one is it? So I clicked on Jey Uso, and it just pops up the Usos. Um, like, they, they don't even have their individual wikipedia page yeah you click on either of their names and it's just do so so uh we we are not the only ones who are kind of getting them uh messed up a little bit uh but it is uh jonathan fatu was the one who was just recently arrested and he is jimmy uso so there jimmy uso okay Uh, i probably will not remember that because i am who i am (laughs) Um, but yeah, like I, I, I was surprised when they won the titles at Money in the Bank because, again, uh, with everything that's happening with Jimmy Uso, uh, I would think that the less eyes that you want on him, the better. 
mm-hmm. the less attention that you have on him, the better. And you know, they they won the titles. Okay, okay. Um, where where are we going with this? And then you know, we, we obviously get the rematch. And yeah, like logic would dictate that the Usos win, but I can also see, as you mentioned, WWE playing hot potato with this shit and giving it back to the Mysterios. And then it's just like, all right, so this is what we're doing for the next year, aren't we? Yeah, just back and forth, back and forth. Like, there's yeah. no there's no building anything. Like, there's no You're right. anticipation for any matches. It's just, hey, we're going to have these matches a thousand times, and there's going to yeah. be different ways those matches go. And in the end, no one comes out uh, any better from any of these feuds, which is basically yep. the entire WWE booking for the last, like, decade. Yep. Nailed it. <sighs> So frustrating. Uh, Bobby Lashley defends the WWE Championship against Bill Goldberg. Again, I know how this should go. I'm pretty sure it's how it will go. I don't think we get a Bill Goldberg Championship win here, but we just did this. We just did this with Drew McIntyre, where he came in, beat Goldberg, got his respect, and off we went with a a championship run for Drew McIntyre that lasted another hour and a half. Um, Like, I, I... I, I still get giddy when Goldberg comes out. You get the entrance. It's fun. Put him in the video games. Fantastic. But have him somewhere else on the card. He does not need to be in this spot. He does not need to be the enhancement talent for Bobby Lashley at this point. I, I, I'm very frustrated with how Goldberg is being used on this card. And I hope to God he loses. Okay. I'm, this might sound controversial, controversial, but throughout the years, I'm over Goldberg, dude. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm done. Yeah, uh, I I said this years ago during the Brock Lesnar lane reign. I'm done with Brock Lesnar, and I'm I'm done with Goldberg just because like anytime Goldberg comes in, I'm like, oh god, somebody's losing their title, and and I mean th- there is a precedent set. Like I mm-hmm. when, when Kevin Owens lost the title to to Goldberg, I was like, oh god, why? Yeah. Just so they could set up Goldberg versus Lesnar. And I was like, but you had Kevin Owens versus Jericho. That would have been fantastic. The culmination mm-hmm. of that for the title, like that would have been great. And yeah, like throughout recent years, I'm over it. Like, yes, his entrance is still cool and stuff. But like anytime that I even hear about Goldberg coming back to WWE, I get a little scared because depending on who's champion and if I'm a fan of them or not, I'm like, oh, shit, they're doing it again, aren't they? And with Lashley, like, I think Lashley's been a pretty decent champion. I mean, at Money in the Bank, he completely decimated Kofi, which a heel champion should, and especially a heel dominant champion should. And, yeah, like, I think he's been decent so far. Now it just sucks that his competition is now Goldberg instead it should be, you know, as you mentioned, a Drew McIntyre or an AJ Styles or, mm-hmm. you know, fuck it, even throw Randy Orton in there. I don't care. But like, why Goldberg? Like, I understand yeah. why, you know, you, you want you want to go back to the well, but they're going back to it way too often now. And, no, and it's I just it's, it's frustrating. It really is. Um, in my head, I would love to see Lashley retain. But again, I can say this about a lot of the, the competitors on this card. WWE can, I can see a lot of, you know, like going back to Sheamus versus uh, uh, Damian Priest. I can see Sheamus winning because that's WWE. I can see Goldberg winning here because it is WWE. Now, what does that entail moving forward? I don't know. You want to put 
Brock Lesnar back in there, but we've done this before so many times. Goldberg versus Lesnar. Like, what is the point? You know, mm-hmm. instead, fuck it. Have Lashley retain. And then if you really want to bring Goldberg back, Lashley versus Goldberg. We fight or Lashley versus uh, Lesnar. We finally yeah. get it, you know. No, I'm that that's that's kind of what I was hoping they would do with this one. Um yeah. and yeah, if that's the next one you build to, then then fine. I would much rather see like Goldberg against Keith Lee. I don't know if I would get excited for it because it's going to just be a Goldberg match, but yeah. at least you are helping get someone else over exactly. a little bit more. Like it's just, yeah, like I said, we just did this. Um, yeah. So hopefully it is Bobby Lashley retaining here. Um, I'm imagining this one will go on last main event, Roman Reigns taking on John Cena for the Universal Championship. We have done the microphone back and forth where these two guys both say things that no one thought they would be able to say on WWE programming. I I think this match is going to be a fun one. Um, Again, this is one where I I think Roman should retain. I've said for a bit, Roman needs to be like the the dominant ass-kicking champion. And I get you have that over on Raw as well. But I... I see Roman Reigns winning in this spot. Uh, Credit John Cena, I think, for coming back with the schedule that he has because him being the movie guy now, he didn't have to do all the house shows. He probably doesn't have to wrestle in Pittsburgh for the rest of his life, but he came back for house shows there. Um, But I I, I think he is in this spot to make Roman Reigns look like a more dominant champion. What say you? No, it's true. I mean, you know, they did this Roman Reigns versus Cena, what was it, uh, four years ago? Three or four years ago? Mm -hmm. Um. And yeah, Roman went over there, but that was a different type of uh, character for Roman. This is uh, completely different. Um, He's got new dolphin teeth now, which is nice. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But um, yeah, no, uh, Roman wins here. Yeah, it's the writing's kind of on the wall because I mean, it's Cena, right? Like, yeah, in his promo, he said, I become the greatest champion of all time. I don't think the WWE wants that right now. I think if, if they really wanted to, they would push it. I don't know, a few years ago, if anything, before Cena blew up in Hollywood. Um, Mm. But yeah, Roman wins here. I think this is going to be the longest match on the card, like 25, 30 minutes of them just doing their greatest hits. And then, yeah, um, at the end, Roman wins. And yeah, um, quickly, though, going back to uh, Lashley versus Goldberg. Mm -hmm. Had SmackDown not done that stupid baron corbin thing with the 24th the uh, money in the bank briefcase oh yeah and had that last image been like hey biggie still has the briefcase if goldberg wins over lashley and biggie cashes it in that would have been great yeah but now all of a sudden baron corbin has the fucking money in the bank briefcase and it's just like oh god how are they How's this even going to fucking work? Yeah, I <clears throat> score. Excuse me. Um, I, I could see them doing kind of a thing where like if they're going to, to have it cash in, Baron like tries to run out, cash it in and Goldberg just like spears the bejesus out of him or something. And yeah. Big E runs in, picks it up and cashes in. Like I, I could see them doing one more. Oh, Baron Corbin, you were so close yeah. um, type type of a thing. Because that. Th- that to me would be the only redeeming factor of Goldberg coming out over top of Lashley, you mm. know, is it if there is a cash in at the end, right? That would know? be interesting, yeah. Because I mean that that way you also bring in another uh, top tier caliber athlete or top tier uh, guy to oh, on uh, Raw with Big E, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so. which, as we talked about, they desperately need, especially yeah. on the babyface side. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay, there is our SummerSlam preview. The next night is NXT TakeOver 36. Um, we, we don't have to go match by... There's only five matches. We, we don't have to go match by match on this. I just kind of want to get your sense on NXT right now. Like, there, there's a lot of talk um, about, like, one of the, the kind of catchy things to talk about is vibes right now. And it just feels like a very bad vibe around NXT with some of the releases, the talk that WWE wants to completely overhaul what NXT actually is and the type of performers that they actually bring in right now. It, it just, it, you don't get that same, oh man, NXT, there's a takeover this weekend. Right. You, you don't right. get that same feel right now. Yeah. Especially right now. Like, when I saw this, I thought it was a typo because usually you have an NXT on a Saturday and then you have the SummerSlam on a Sunday, right? Yeah. And and this is this is kind of weird for me because this is on a Sunday and SummerSlam is on a Saturday, right? Yes. That's weird. It is. It's very weird. And I don't like it. Um, no. Like it, it feels like an afterthought. And yeah. because of, I'm assuming COVID, um they're they're not traveling with this show like it's just at the Capitol wrestling center in orlando um and i feel like a, of all the brands during this um dur during this pandemic nxt has been the one that's taken the biggest hit like it it, oh my God, it, it, does not feel, it does not feel special at all right now and no the, the fact that they were able to get it to feel as special as it did for a while there in the the performance center or at full sale university or whatever um the, kudos to them but right now it feels like a small time show it truly does considering and and the most baffling part of that is us saying that but knowing that kyle o'reilly versus adam cole mm -hmm. is on the card like this this yeah if this any other time I would be hyped for this. And it's a two out of three pinfalls match. Like that's, that's awesome because right. you know, these guys are going to go for like what 45, maybe even an hour. <laughs> yeah. Of just incredible wrestling. And yeah, it's headlined by, by these two, but as you mentioned, it, it feels like an afterthought afterthought. And, you know, going back to the state current state of NXT, it's just, man, how the mighty have fallen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it kind of feels like, this is Adam Cole's last NXT go around, whether that means he goes to the main roster or there's a lot of talk that his contract is up. Yeah, um, yeah. So maybe he goes elsewhere. It just kind of feels like it's the end for him. Um, like Karrion Cross, it, it feels like this should be the end for him, but I don't know if Samoa Joe is the one that should be beating him for that. Um, like the only match where it kind of feels like with NXT, there's okay. This is, the, the new one coming in, which is what they've always had for forever and yeah. have done a great job with that, um, is Walter. Like that, yeah. it, it feels like he loses to, to Ilya. Um, Dragunov goes off to, to NXT UK and does his thing. Walter stays stateside and he becomes kind of the, the new face. And you get Walter versus Samoa Joe, which just saying out loud got me rather giddy. So now I'm on board mm. with Samoa Joe winning. Um, but yeah, it just, it doesn't feel like they're, it, it's very flat right now yeah. in NXT. And a lot of that is the releases and a lot of that yep. is creative and all these rumors floating around that they want to completely overhaul NXT and they want to, they want to almost shy away from bringing in indie darlings and instead yeah. going with, I hate to say it, but like the Omos, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the big, big dudes and big ladies. And yeah. And it's just like, 
well, what the fuck is the even, what's the point of NXT then, you know, because like me as a wrestling fan and me as an an indie wrestling fan, like I would always go to NXT and be like, holy shit, you know, they, they signed so-and-so I can't wait to see them, you know, wrestle so-and-so because there was a moment there where where they, like, I remember they, they, they had Ricochet and, and I was just like, holy, what are they going to do with this? Ricochet versus Adam Cole, Ricochet versus whoever, like, it's going to be great. Right. And, and you can say that with so many other talented, talented wrestlers who have either been released or have gone on to the main roster and have just done nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I fear might just happen with Adam Cole. Like I, he's one of the best performers on the face of the planet. We all know that. Yeah. And I've said it before to you multiple times. Like I do not want to see Adam Cole on the main roster because man, he's, he's going to be stuck in some BS feud with like, I don't know, fucking Elias or something, you know? Right. And that's the thing. Like there's no excitement to get them called up. Like I, I I don't want Legato del Fantasma to get called up. I I don't Mm. want hit row to get called up ever. Um, or even Walter for that matter. Right. Like, like Walter is one of the like biggest badasses that WWE has. But like, I have a feeling that if he gets called up, he's going to be Remember Victor Kozlov. Yes. Yep. That's what I feel is going to happen with Walter. Yeah. I, I kind of thought um, great Kali, um, like where dominant monster for a little bit, get a weird match named after you. And yeah. then you're a comedy guy that, that, that yeah. screams Walter. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, but no, the, the Kozlov one is a, a great comparison as well. Um, more uh, positive, I guess, wrestling stuff. Well, I, I don't know. Um, I, I haven't watched New Japan Resurgence yet. Um, the, the New Japan American stuff has not been on my radar at all. Um, That's fair. So for you, you, you did watch Resurgence. Uh, the, the, floor, did. the floor is yours, sir. Your, your thoughts on New Japan right now. Well, it was a three-hour show. <clears throat> okay. Uh, at times, um, it, it felt a little little rushed a little drawn out but i mean they had such good talent stateside here like mm. you had tanahashi you have jay white jay white and david finley my god if, if you want to go back and watch that match it is fantastic absolutely incredible because there was a moment where you know like we all like not we all but like new japan fans know that you know jay white is there they, they almost groomed him to be their next Kenny Omega of sorts. Yeah. Uh, and he is the face of New Japan. He's already made uh, appearances at Impact. And, and that's that's makes me giddy because then it's just like, all right, yes. You know, we're, we're finally getting to that point where, hey, that quote unquote forbidden door is now fully open, right? Yeah. Um, Jay White versus David Finley was a hell of a match. Like there, there were moments where I was just like, holy shit, Finley might win. And Finley... Finley's selling is fantastic. He's one of the, like, just a fantastic performer. And the story that these two told was just great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jay White cut a promo afterwards, which was fantastic. Tomohiro Ishii came out afterwards. He challenged Jay White for the never open title. Jay White basically was just like, yeah, I already beat you. Get the fuck back out there. And he (laughs) said this to Ishii, right? And yeah, Jay White cut a fantastic promo. Ishii, by the way, had, dude, he fought Moose. And like mm. that, two big dudes going at it, like incredible. Uh, yeah. Moose's athleticism is so deceiving because for a guy who's so tall and so wide, you wouldn't think that he could do like an Okada drop kick, but he does. Yeah. He does a backflip off the top rope. And I'm just like, how do you do this? Like, you are incredible. And yeah, two big dudes going at it. That's always fun. Um, 
my favorite though part of this uh by the way main event great uh Tamaha or Tanahashi versus Lance, Lance Archer. Tanahashi wins the uh, US I, or IWGP US title. Now he has every title to ever be in New Japan. He's won every title now. Huh. Yeah. So fun guess, fact yeah. there. Um, but Will Ospreay, Will Ospreay comes out and he cuts one of the best heel promos that I've seen in a while. Uh, so they've they've amalgamated the uh, IWGP title and intercontinental title to now be the IWGP heavyweight title, which Osprey had to vacate because of a neck injury. Mm-hmm. Cuts a fantastic heel promo, runs down everybody in New Japan, back in Japan, also at the LA Dojo, also AEW, also Impact. Like heel Will Ospreay is fantastic. And then he brings out a replica of the actual uh, uh, IWGP heavyweight title. He was just like, I never lost this. I had to give it up. And so he calls out um, the current champ. Uh, Who's it? Um, Shingo. Shingo Takagi. Yes. And so, yeah, like, man, Will Ospreay, he is, he is fantastic. And I can't wait to see what he has in store or what they have in store for him moving forward. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um overall fun show, very fun show. I said it, it it was three hours. Uh near the end, like middle to the end of the card, did not feel like three hours because the action okay. was jam-packed. Like it's new Japan, right? Like they're gonna go, go, yeah. go, go. Um because it was stateside, like <laughs> there there were a lot of audio issues, and mm. yeah, that, that kind of took away from it. Um, overall fun show. Nice. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. New Japan's been a little hit and miss during this whole pandemic. Um, and just some of the decisions I I haven't loved, but when, when they get it right, they get it really right. And, um, yeah, the, the Will Ospreay thing that, that sounds rather intriguing and just everything right now. Like I I love just the situation that kind of those four groups, uh, New Japan, uh, AEW impact and the, the NWA, um, yeah, yeah. It, it just it feels like you, you can kind of keep everything fresh by just like sending a bunch of people to a bunch of these different spots. And uh, I think that that's really exciting. I, I, I kind of I kind of feel bad for Ring of Honor right now because they're just saying like, hey, rem- remember, remember yeah. us. And, We're and still they, here, guys. We're yeah, still here. Yeah. They, they've done some good stuff. And I almost wonder if not having those relationships is good because now they can kind of build up their own people again sure. and when they're ready to, to venture out they can do that but well they have um, dan Housen, man like that's pretty dope <laughs> <laughs> yeah um also uh you you mentioned like the the relationships like dude i watched triple mania as well like uh, mm, oh right yeah uh, yeah uh, what was it last saturday yeah um great show uh some of the decisions though like i was just like because i honestly thought that kenny omega was gonna lose to andrade yeah and he retains and i was like oh there's a backstory to this and you know me i love my long long long-term storytelling and so the match itself holy shit like obviously like it's andrade it's omega like you people have been salivating for this and i saw it and it was a fantastic match excellent um one thing though like i mentioned audio issues from new japan dude fucking triple a like or uh (laughs) triple mania their camera work fucking sucks like i <laughs> like it's it's terrible yeah 
like some of the overhead shots i was like no zoom in i can't even see it like what are you doing here like right. i understand they wanted to zoom out for like sponsorship wise but like their that camera work was horrendous and and that that was that kind of ruined the show for me but overall that was a fun show too and nice. and yeah like these are relationships that that are that are building and i just mentioned you know long term storytelling so i'm i'm a huge fan of that bring that back and yes. and yeah I, i'm excited man yeah. And the thing that has everyone the most excited, uh, the, this is airing on Friday morning uh, by Friday evening. We all expect CM Punk is going to be back in the professional wrestling space as uh, we're expecting him to debut at AEW this weekend. I have said before, the way I would have him debut is to have cult of personality play and the crowd goes crazy MJF. and MJF comes walking out yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and then have like, I, I think it'd be cool if he went back to his old AFI music um, okay. or, or just whatever his new music is going to be. Then he comes out. Um, I, I think that would be a really, really cool way, but it does kind of seem like with the Darby Allen promo from a couple of weeks ago, yeah, I wonder oh, yeah. if that's the direction they're going, but um, I guess just your thoughts on CM Punk coming back and how you would like to see him be reintroduced here. Um. I like the idea of the MJF thing because as soon as news broke out and it was rumors and it still is like, I mean, it's still rumors until it actually happens. Right. Yeah. Um, but like when rumors first broke out, what was like a few weeks ago that, you know, CM Punk and even Daniel Bryan have, have signed on with AEW immediately. Like I scrolled on Twitter and it was like, MJF's going to come out and he's going to play cult of personality and it's going to happen. MJF's get, like the best heel in professional wrestling. True. He's legitimately is the best heel in professional wrestling. Yeah. And that would just add to it. Like that would be incredible. Also it's in Chicago. So the heat, Oh my God. Oh yeah. Holy shit. Um, but yeah, like if it happens and it's just, it's still a big if because nothing is official. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it happens, uh, CM Punk comes out and yeah, him and Darby, that should be a starting feud right there. Because I feel, I feel like if CM Punk just comes out and automatically challenges Omega or whomever is, is the eight, why well, it should be Omega because yeah, yeah, it yeah. still is because he doesn't train our challenge or Christian until was it all out? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it would be if, Punch just comes out and automatically challenges Omega. I'm like, huh, it's a bit too soon for this. I would like a little starter feud, a little, a little appetizer, if anything. Right. You yeah. Know. Um, the, the Darby one is a bit of a tough fit because like it, it's tough to not cheer for Darby Allen um, yeah. with his sort of a style. But yeah, no, that's whatever you put him in with, people are going to be very, very excited. I, I do like you've noticed over the last couple of weeks, the elite have been making like some of those references like um Kenny Omega wearing the cookie monster shirt uh, because yeah, yeah. CM stands for cookie monster and yeah. and that sort of stuff like I do wonder if they factor in with the elite right away and uh, I think it'd be fun like because Daniel Bryan is supposed to be coming in as well yeah. so you do like punk and Bryan against the good brothers building up to the to the young bucks building up to something with the Kenny Omega you know like I any way they go is going to be fantastic. It could be CM Punk against Sting, CM Punk against uh, Ethan Page. Uh, however they do it, I'm just, I'm excited that this guy is back in the wrestling world. Me too. And I mean, 
I don't want to say I never lost faith, but like there was a moment where I was just like, and this is before AEW where I was just like, holy shit. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to see CM Punk wrestling in, in a professional wrestling ring again, because there was in my mind, there was no way he was going to go back to WWE. There's no way. I think yeah. that that relationship is done. And yeah, when AEW became a thing, I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, all right, hey, this could work. Yeah. This could work. And there's been so much talk, so many rumors, so, so much just floating around for the past little bit since AEW's inception. And again, it, it's not official yet, but if it does, I'm very happy because, you know, going back to how we started this conversation of uh, talent leaving WWE and them commenting on AEW and the amount of freedom that they get, the amount of creative freedom, how, you know, the, the matchmaking, all this shit. And like, it's, it's so like it's the matchmaking potential for CM Punk in AEW is ridiculous. And then you factor in AEW's relationship with Impact and New Japan and, and whatever. Like, yeah, man, dude, can you imagine CM Punk versus Kota Ibushi or CM Punk oh. versus Will Ospreay? CM Punk versus um, uh, who's who's the uh, British submission uh, special? Oh, um, Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. Dude. Daniel Bryan versus Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, yeah. Man. They've done it before. They've done it before when Zack Sabre Jr. was just starting out, and I saw that match like a long time ago. It's still on YouTube. That was a fantastic match, and that was when pre-Yes Movement Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Now you do it? Holy shit. Punk against Naito, Punk against uh, Kazuchika Okada. Like, uh, all, all of those matches get you very, very excited as well. So, yeah, no, I like, it's just, it, it's so exciting to be a wrestling fan. And that's what we, anytime we're on these, we, we bitch about WWE for a little bit and then go, well, everything else is pretty sweet. So Everything else is fine. Everything else yeah. is golden, baby. And, like, uh, quickly going back to Omega, um, I still want a definitive end with the Hangman storyline because yeah. I think that was – that still is one of the best long-term stories in professional wrestling right now. Yeah. And yeah. let's just say if Omega beats uh, Christian at all out, you need to put Omega and hangman in there again. And, and let's get an end to this story because it has been not only the, one of the best, but it is dude. Like it, it's the way that they've told it is yeah. been since day one. Fantastic. And, and I, I feel like you need, some closure to that story before you go into, you know, let's just say punk versus Omega or Daniel Bryan versus Omega. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And um, it, it would have been good to, to do that at all out. Cause that's kind of their WrestleMania, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, apparently hangman has some stuff going on right now, so he, he can't He's be expecting a kid, right? Yeah. That's what it is. Um, so real life takes, uh, takes precedent, yeah, yeah. which, fully understandable but yeah it, it would have been good if all out could have been that culmination but whenever they do put a, a bow on that one uh I, I think that the people will be ready for it and certainly hangman page uh will be ready for it yeah absolutely because man he is when he first came out with the dark order like what was it the last pay-per-view it was mm -hmm. yeah he came out with the dark order that was one of the best entrances that i've seen in a while comes out with dark order and the elite come out in space jam attire and that was, that was pretty fun. And the actual yeah. match itself was great. And so, yeah, I, I me as a fan, like I, I just want, I want some closure with that storyline before you move into punk and Brian territory for whomever is the champ at that point.
Totally. Uh, all right, man. This has been a whole lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, thank you as always. And you're welcome for me providing you the, the opportunity to, to get some of this WWE uh, stuff off of your chest. Uh, hopefully we are absolutely right on all of these things because that would be the smart thing to do. Brother, we do it every time that you just mentioned it. Like, you know, we, we start off sour and then we, we find a hope spot. <laughs> and, and then the finisher is just like, oh, yeah, hey, wrestling's yeah. cool. I love wrestling. I love what, what, what the w world outside of WWE is. Yeah, AEW is our Hurricane Rana. Uh it is. <laughs> it is. Thanks as always, man. We'll we'll chat. Uh, I'm sure probably next month uh, around this uh, whatever WWE has next. <laughs> you got it, man.